So, good morning. My name is Dave, and if it's your very first time here this morning, I'm the lead pastor here at Connect, and uh, thrilled that you've joined us here today. I hope you enjoy the service. Uh, things are a little bit different this morning, and uh, one of those main differences is that we have a fence up on the stage. We don't normally have fences on the stage, but this fence will play a large part in this morning's service, because I'm going to speak to you this morning from the fence, okay? I will be sitting on the fence, and hopefully sitting and staying on the fence and not falling backwards off of the fence. But uh, we tested it beforehand, and uh, it looks like it's going to hold all 140 pounds off me, so uh, maybe 143. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to speak to you from the fence, because you may be familiar with that phrase, sitting on the fence, okay? I'm sure you've heard that before, but talking about somebody who, who sits on the fence. And uh, the idea behind the phrase is if you're sitting on the fence, if you've ever heard it said that somebody's sitting on the fence, they're, they're just kind of in the middle. They're undecided. They're not really here and they're not really there. They're just kind of on the fence. And uh, I thought a great example to kind of explain um, uh, what, what this phrase means, like a modern day example, I would use uh, what some of you as parents here or kids this morning may have heard of. Uh, there is a game out right now. It's called Fortnite. Okay, Fortnite is a video game that seems to be pretty popular with the kids these days. Uh, it's a game that can be played on the Xbox, the PlayStation, this kind of thing. And uh, it's a multiplayer game, so lots of people play at once. And it involves uh, shooting, and you have to be the last man standing, the last man alive. Uh, there's building stuff at the same time. There's dancing. I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense to me. But, but there are um, several schools of thought when it comes to Fortnite. Now... There is one camp, one group, who would say Fortnite is wonderful. It's the greatest thing to have ever happened. It's a chance for kids to interact with one another because they wear headsets when they play so they can talk to their friends, they can play online with their friends, have conversations. Uh, it really improves hand-to-eye coordination. It you know, really helps, you know, which I'm sure will play a huge role in my future. Um, yeah, there's a guy right now who actually has his own channel, like a YouTube channel, and all he does is plays this game and Thousands of people watch him, and he is earning millions of dollars because he's playing the game and other people are watching. So there are some people that would tell you, Fortnite is awesome. Now, most of those people would probably be between the ages of 11 and 16, okay? Uh, that, that's probably the largest population of that camp. There's a few adults in that camp. Uh, but there's another school of thought when it comes to Fortnite, okay? Some think it's wonderful. Some think it is awful, okay? Some people think it's terrible. Those are the ones who believe that it's rotting the minds of their children. Uh, those are normally the ones who think, um, or not think, those are normally the ones who uh, are having to shout down to their kids 15 minutes before dinner is ready, that dinner will be ready in 15 minutes because they have to finish that game. They can't just stop in the middle of a game. They have to finish a game. So uh, those are the ones that would say that Fortnite is the devil, okay? We have a lady in our church who has a t-shirt she's had made that actually says, Fortnite is the devil, okay? I mean, she is unashamed in the camp that she sits in. But there are some, there are some who if you to ask them, do you think Fortnite is good or do you think it's bad? They might say, you know what? I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's good for kids to get outside and enjoy the fresh air and actually some real life and oxygen in their lungs. But at the same time, when I was a kid, I played video games. I played Super Mario. Well, actually, in my case, I played Space Invaders. Um, but, uh, you know, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I played video games, and I turned out okay. It was just some harmless fun. You know, I got to play for a little bit, and then, you know, in balance. And, and you might find that there are some people who would say, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. 
And that's okay. It's okay to be on the fence. It's okay to be undecided. But here's the thing. There are actually some things in life that are a little bit more important than Fortnite. I know there are some of you here that are surprised to hear that. You're like, it's serious. No, I don't think so, Dave. No, there are. There are some things in life that are actually more important than Fortnite. So much so that actually they're so important that for some of us, it's, it's not good enough just to stay on the fence. We really need to make a decision. And what you'll discover is that there's another phrase that's kind of developed because of the phrase to be sitting on the fence. Another phrase has kind of spawned out of that. And that phrase is to get off the fence. To get off the fence. You may have have heard this phrase. You may have heard this phrase said to you, you need to get off the fence. You can't be undecided on this. You're you're either this way or this way. There's, There's no middle ground here. You've got to make a decision. That phrase, get off the fence, it's kind of a a call to action. It's a response required phrase. Maybe you've heard that phrase, get off the fence, and in an area of your life or a thinking. And you know, through the Bible, there's several different challenges where God comes to his people or to communities and issues them a challenge and says it's time to get off the fence in this particular area. And I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about a few examples of that that we can find in Scripture. And maybe by the end of this morning, there'll be something, there'll be an area of your life where where really you're going to realize, man, I I think I'm kind of on the fence there. And I think God is tugging at my heart a little bit. I think he's challenging me a little bit to get off the fence. Now, the good news is, as I said, I committed to sit on this fence for this message. And it's really uncomfortable. As I'm sitting here right now, it's just not a comfortable fence. So it will be a short message this morning, okay? Because I don't want to be on this fence too long. So, so that's one bit of good news this morning. But, but let's start in the Old Testament, okay? If we go way back, this is hundreds of years before Jesus was born. There was a man by the name of Joshua. Now, Joshua, he followed on for another guy called Moses. And uh, Joshua had been responsible for leading the people of Israel to their, their final home. They'd kind of moved through the wilderness for a long time, and they finally ended up in what would become Israel. And uh, Joshua, towards the end of his life, he has this opportunity to, to stand in front of all of the Israelite people and really kind of just challenge them. It's, it's one of the last times we ever hear Joshua speak to the people before he dies. And you can tell that this is kind of his parting, parting challenge to these people. It was a get-off-the-fence moment. He actually has kind of like a little history lesson. You can read about it in Joshua chapter 24. And he reminds the Israelites, he says, do you remember when, when, when Abraham, your ancestor Abraham, God took him from the land in which he lived? And took him to this new land. And the reason he did, because the land in which he lived, there were all sorts of foreign gods and idols that were being worshipped. And God wanted Abraham and his descendants to worship him and him alone. So he took Abraham to this place. And and Abraham's descendants and your grandparents and your great-great-grandparents and the the Jewish people, this was the land that they started to grow in. and, And pretty soon they became slaves. And Joshua reminds them, do you remember that time when Moses and Aaron came and they they delivered the slaves out of out of slavery in Egypt and they took him across the, the sea and, and God parted the sea and then he closed up the sea over his enemies and Joshua was reminding them, he said, and then they took, he took the Israelites into the wilderness and they moved around, but, but God was with them and they defeated their enemies. And Joshua said, and then I came into the picture and we got to uh, this place called the Jordan, this river. And, and at that point I took over and God led us into this land called Jericho. And, and uh, again, there were foreign people here with foreign gods and foreign idols, but God allowed us to, to, to conquer some of them so that we could establish our presence here in this place. 
And Joshua reminds them of this great history of God intervening and God one time after another stepping in and, and protecting his people and leading his people and bringing them to this place. And yet still, after all of this evidence of God at work in the life of the Israelites, in Joshua chapter 24, we find him kind of challenging the people, saying, you guys, how did you end up back on the fence? After all that God did, how is it that you find yourselves today on the fence? He says this in Joshua 24, 14. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And serve the Lord alone. You see, the Israelites, they'd let these, these, these idol worship, these foreign idols creep in, and now they were kind of tapping into some of the, the, the um, culture there and picking up some of this idol worship from the people amongst whom they were living. And Joshua was saying, listen, God delivered us from that for a reason. He wants to, you to have a, a relationship with him and him alone. And then in Joshua 24, verse 15, he has this incredible get-off-the-fence moment. It's a very famous verse. Some of you may recognize this verse as I read it. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, if you refuse to get off the fence, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family... We will serve the Lord. Joshua, at the end of his life here, stood before the people of Israel and said, will you get off the fence? It's time to get off this fence and choose today who you will serve. Choose today who you will serve. Are you going to continue to serve these idols or are you going to serve and worship the God who delivered us from slavery, who brought us to this land, who brought us to this place? He's challenging the people to get off the fence. It's not long later that we uh, come across another guy. His name's David. Some of you remember David. He was the, um, the shepherd boy who became the giant killer, killed a man named Goliath, went on to become the king. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He wrote Psalms. He worshiped God. He loved God dearly. And as the king of Israel, there comes this moment in his life. It's towards the end of his life. And He's very familiar that in the history of Israel, they've, they've wandered around the desert, they've moved from place to place, and they've still worshipped God. So what they did is they had what was called a tabernacle, which was basically a big tent that they took with them. And every time they arrived somewhere, they would set up this tent, and they would worship God, and then they would tear down the tent, and they'd move on. And this happens throughout all that area, and they were still living in this kind of tabernacle-style worship. And David says, I want a building, I want a temple that we can build where we can worship God. He says, I'm getting fed up, keep setting up and tearing down this tent every week. And I know how he feels. <laughs> he says, I want a building. I want a building. <laughs> he says, God, permit me to build a temple where we can worship you, a permanent location. And you know what God says? God says, a temple will be built, but it'll be your son Solomon that built it. He responds to David and says, your son Solomon will be the one to build this temple. And you know what? David was okay with that. Because David didn't want the temple built for his fame. David wanted the temple built for God. And he says, God, if it's Solomon, my son, that's going to build it, I'm okay with that. And God says, but you will play a part in it. 
You, David, you and your peers and your people, you'll be the ones who gather all the resources, all the the wood and the cloth and the gold and the silver. You'll be the people that gather everything needed to build this magnificent temple where people will come from miles around to worship God. You will be the one that comes up with all of the supplies. So excited, David gathers before the people of Israel and he says, God has told me that we're going to build a temple and I need all of you to bring your gold and your silver and to bring your, your supplies because together we're going to gather all these resources and Solomon, my son, is going to build this temple. It was kind of a get-off-the-fence moment. And this happens in, in Chronicles, in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 22. But then as you read chapter 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, there are all these chapters of David talking about what the temple will be like, what it will be used for, but you don't see any response from the people. No one seems to respond. No one's coming forward with any of their, their supplies like David had asked. So in 1 Chronicles 29, we, we find this moment where David has another conversation with his peers. And it's a bit of a get-off-the-fence conversation. He says this in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. He says, And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. David realizes, if I'm going to ask these people to get off the fence and do something, I better show that I'm willing to do something too. So David says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give everything. I'm going to give all that I have to demonstrate how I am all in here. I want people to know that I am a part of this. And we carry on reading and we see that his leaders step forward one by one and they start to give as well. You know, we had an example of that here at Connect earlier this year. Just a great example of a similar thing happening. We were going through a series called Together for Washington, talking about our new building. And, and the part the series, the goal was to try and raise some money to help with the construction of our new building that we are going to be moving into next year. And we came to the church. This was about four or five months ago. We came to the church and asked if they'd be willing to, to, um, to be a part of that, to pledge, to say, I, I want to help with this. But the really cool thing was before we came to the church, we went to the leaders first. And just like in this story here from David... Many leaders at Connect said, I want to get off the fence. I want to step up. I want to do that. It was a great kind of modern day example of what we read about here in Chronicles. So that's the second example there. The first one was Joshua. The second one here was David of these moments throughout the Bible where God through, her, through his people came to either individuals or communities and said, it's time to step off the fence. You know, there's another great example in the New Testament right at the very end of the New Testament in a book called Revelation. Now, Revelation is a really difficult book to read because it was written by a man by the name of John who was one of the disciples and this was towards the end of his life and he'd been banished to live on this island and while living on this island, he has this encounter with Jesus and and this kind of prophetic revelation, this, this vision of what is to come, the future. And he starts to write this stuff down but it's all kind of in picture form and, and it's really kind of very difficult to understand. It's one of those books of the Bible, it's not very easy just to open it and just read it from, from page to page. It's the kind of book you want to read with a, a Bible study or with another book that will help you read it. But at the beginning of Revelation, before he starts getting into some of the vision parts, um, John is instructed by Jesus to write seven letters. 
And those seven letters are to go to seven different churches. And those seven churches, they're all these brand new churches that exist in, in that part of the world in this time. It's not long after the death and resurrection of Jesus and uh, these churches are being established. And he writes these seven letters, these seven different churches. And each letter has some encouragement, but it also has a little bit of a challenge. And one of the churches he writes to is a church in a city called Laodicea. And he writes this letter. It's it's a little bit of a get-off-the-fence letter to these people. Because he encourages them and he says, hey, you're doing a great job here. and, And, you know, God is just really proud of what's happening here. But... But then he says this in, in um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I know all the things you do. He says, but you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus is saying, I don't want lukewarm. I want either hot. I, I'd take cold over lukewarm. Now, I understand this because I'm English and we drink tea properly, okay? That's really hot, any other temperature, and you just want to spit it out. Now, I don't even like cold. That's iced tea. That's what you guys have done. You've, like, destroyed good tea and you've iced it. It should be hot milk and sugar. That's the way to drink tea, okay? Any other way, it's spit out of my mouth. So I get this. But Jesus is challenging this church. He's saying, hey, it's time to get off the fence, you're kind of hovering around this, this lukewarm. You, you need to be either in or out because you're missing out here. You're missing out on what it's like to, to live a life fully just hot for Jesus. He was so invested in this people and this church and he wanted them to be invested in him and to live their lives following him. That he said, I would actually rather you were disinterested. I would actually rather you didn't, weren't a part of the church at all. I'd rather you were cold than the lukewarm place you find yourself. So reading that letter, this was a get off the fence moment. It was time to say, am I going to be hot or am I going to be cold? Because I can't stay on the fence. You know, the reason I'm talking about this this morning is because for many of us here this morning, there could be a get off the fence moment that we're facing right now. I'm hoping and praying that as I've been speaking, that maybe God's kind of nudging your heart. Maybe there's something going on in your life right now and you realize, man, I've sat on the fence too long. I've been undecided in that area. I've kept putting this off. I've, I felt like I really need to commit one way or another, but I've just kind of stayed here on the fence. And the more I stay here, the more I realize that, you know, even though this feels neutral, it's not the best place to be. There is a call to action. I need to do something. What's the area this morning where you're on the fence? Maybe it's a relationship that needs mending. Maybe there's a broken relationship in your life right now and you know deep down that you need to be the one to step into mending that relationship. Even though you may not have even been the fault of why it was broken in the first place. You just know that you've been on the fence too long. And it's time to make it right. It's time to have that conversation, make that apology, do whatever it is to to work towards healing that broken relationship. Maybe there's a pattern in your life right now. You find yourself always dealing with the same kind of junk. These things, these situations just keep cropping up and they keep occurring. You're asking yourself, why is it that this sort of stuff keeps happening to me? And you know deep down that it's because you're you're kind of sat on the fence in a certain area of your life where you know there needs to be a change. 
You know there's an area of your life, maybe it needs to be surrendered to God, maybe you need to, to change something, but up till now you've been sat on the fence. Maybe you're here this morning, you're just still struggling with the idea of this whole Jesus thing. You've been coming for a while, maybe a friend's brought you, maybe your family member is a follower of Jesus, and you're, you're involved enough to want to learn more, but you're still not sure if you're ready to, to go all in, to make any kind of commitment. And maybe this morning, this is where you find yourself, just sat on the fence, and God's tugging at your heart, saying it's time to get off the fence. Whatever it is this morning, I want to challenge you. Is there an area of your life where you're sitting on the fence? Maybe this morning it's this. This is something I was thinking about this week as I was really kind of praying and, and asking God what it should be that I should speak on this Sunday. And, and I thought of this. There's a great example of an on-the-fence moment um, in the New Testament. It's before Revelation, but it's after Jesus, and Jesus has now died and uh, risen again. He's actually gone back up to heaven, and we, we meet the disciples in the book of Acts, and it's talking about how they began the, new, the church as we know it today, and it all began right there in Acts. Acts is a brilliant book to read. If you ever want to read a, a book of the Bible that, you know, it's just a really interesting book about how the church was beginning and what the very first church looked like. It's the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, we get to hear this message from a guy called Peter. Now, Peter was one of the disciples, and you remember Peter. He kind of messed up a little bit. He denied knowing Jesus, and then he was ashamed, and he uh, made amends. Jesus rose again. They had an encounter, and Jesus, and Jesus forgave Peter. And now Peter has risen, oh, sorry, Jesus has risen again and gone to heaven and the disciples full of the Holy Spirit are now full of boldness and courage and they want to make a difference. They want to start this church and we, we learn about Peter in Acts chapter two and he's standing before these crowd of people. Now he's excited and he just wants to spread the, the word of Jesus. He wants to tell the story of this risen Jesus. Stood in front of thousands of people talking about the difference that Jesus had made in their lives. He starts out by explaining how Jesus had come to earth to do good. He taught great things. He performed miracles. He healed people. He's telling the crowds all of this. They all know this. They all remember the story of Jesus. And then Peter says, and then you, know, you remember what happened next? You killed him. You were part of helping to see Jesus crucified. And he calls him out on it. He says, but then God raised him from the dead. And we, Peter, the disciples, we saw him. We saw him with our own eyes. We've given up hope. And then we saw the risen Jesus. And it's changed us forever. Our lives will never be the same because we, got, we had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And he's standing in front of this crowd of people telling them. He says, he's changed our lives. He's real. He's risen. We want you to experience him. And then he delivers this punch in Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 37. He says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Thousands of people in the crowd that day, and it says that Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? We hear what you're saying. We understand what you're saying. What should we do? And you know what Peter said? He said, I'll tell you what you should do. 
You've got to decide who wants to get off the fence. Who's ready to get off the fence? Who's ready to make some kind of decision? Who's ready to, to respond today? It's time to get down off the fence and make a choice. Verse 38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. And that day, not only did 3,000 people respond, make a decision to follow Jesus, we read that they were, dis- they, they were baptized. Can you imagine the logistics involved there when 3,000 people suddenly said, hey, we're in, and they had to baptize all of them? I wonder if before that, some of the other disciples had got together with Peter and he said, hey, at the end, I'm going to ask people to respond and, and, and become followers of Jesus and get baptized. And the other disciples were like, okay, well, we've got some towels here. I think we've got about 10 towels, so we're ready. And they're, you know, they're all ready. And suddenly 3,000 people, they're like, well, forget that. We better move to plan B. Because we've got to baptize 3,000 people today. But 3,000 people got down off the fence and said, we want to follow Jesus and we want to baptize. We want the world to know that we believe what it is you're teaching. We believe this message that you're teaching. I think some of you here this morning are on another fence. I think some of you here this morning, I I think there are some of you, maybe you've grown up in church all your life, your parents or your grandparents took you to church, maybe you married somebody who uh, went to church, you know, church has always been a part of your life, but I think there are others here that maybe that's not the case, maybe you didn't grow up going to church, maybe Connect is new to you, this is a new experience to be at a church, and for you, I think there are some who can Say this morning, I am a follower of Jesus. I can tell you exactly when it happened. I can take you to the day, the hour, where I was. I was in my car, I was in my bedroom, wherever it was when I said, Jesus, I want to be a follower of you. I want to give my life to following you. But I think there are some others of you here this morning that you've been coming to connect for a long time now. And you've seen the change that Jesus has made in your life. As you've allowed him more access into your life, as you've allowed him more control of your life, you, you could actually say, now, I'm a follower of Jesus. But you may have a hard time pinpointing the exact moment where it changed. You just know now that you are a follower of Jesus. You see, here's the thing about what happened that day when 3,000 people were baptized. That means that 3,000 people could point to a time and say, that was the time where I went public, where I stood up and I said, I want the world to know that Jesus is the center of my life, that I'm a follower of him. And I wonder this morning if there are some of you who are still sat on the fence, not on whether or not you believe in Jesus, but whether or not you should be baptized. Maybe that's the fence that you're sat on this morning. Maybe you've been to some of our baptism services and you thought, is that for me? I'm not sure. I think my challenge to you is that it's time to get off the fence. It's time to get off the fence and say, you know, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to be baptized because I want there to be a moment that I can point to where all the world can see, my friends, my family, my church, my community. That was the day I got baptized. Now, at Connect, okay, we don't believe that being baptized is what makes you a Christian. 
Okay, what, what determines whether or not you're a follower of Jesus is your relationship with God. It's a step of faith. It's asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. It's pursuing him. It's following him. And like I said, for some of you, that was a, 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 a light bulb moment. And for others, it was kind of more gradual. But, but Jesus says to repent and be baptized. And that is a moment that we can point to and we can say, yeah, that was the time when I was baptized. So here's how much I want this to be an opportunity for some of you to get down off of the fence. In a few weeks' time, next month, we have a baptism service coming up and uh, there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer today. So if you're interested in, in being baptized, you can sign up today. And I want to help erase every obstacle that might get in the way for you making that decision. So here's a couple of things that we're going to do differently at our next baptism service. The first one is, okay, we are not going to make you do a video. All right? For some of you, that's a deal breaker. It's like, Dave, I want to get baptized. I'm ready to get off the fence, but I'm just not comfortable being on the the screen. I don't know if I want to tell my story. And I recognize that. And I I don't want it to be that that stops you from being baptized. So this next baptism service, we're not going to do the videos. Now, we are going to do some videos. If you want to do a video, we'll do your video. Because I've got to be honest, I love those stories. I do love in our baptism services hearing people share their stories of why it is that they've chosen to get baptized, the difference that God and Jesus has made in their lives. So, so if there is someone who wants to tell a story, we're going to let you tell your story. But if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't want to, that's absolutely fine. You won't have to. You can still get baptized. Because I think there are some people, that's what keeps them on the fence. Maybe you're here this morning, the reason you're still on the fence is because you're saying, well, I'm just never really sure if I should get baptized or not because when I was a baby, I was baptized. I don't remember it that clearly. My parents tell me it happens. They tell me there was some sprinkling that took place. You know, there was a... So can I get... You know, you're not sure whether... Here's the thing about baptism, Okay. Baptism is a response, we believe here at Connect, that you should be able to make yourself. It's you saying, I want my friends, I want the world, I want my uh, church to know that this is something that I'm deciding to do. So you may have been baptized as a baby. It's okay if you want to get baptized again. Because like I said, it's not um, something that determines whether or not you're a Christian. This is something you do to say, I want to go public. I want to get off the fence. I want people to know that this is real for me. And I want to be able to look back and point and say, that was the day that I got baptized. 3,000 people one day in the book of Acts can say, that was the day that we made that decision to follow Jesus and were baptized. So there could be several different fences that you're sat on this morning. But if the fence you're sat on is whether or not you should be baptized, I want to challenge you. We've got this baptism service coming up. They're my favorite services because they represent why we do what we do, and that is to reach people who don't yet know Jesus and introduce them to this loving Jesus who wants a relationship with you, who wants to be a part of your life who loves you so much, who's pursuing you, who's, who, who even before we turn our attention to him, he has been pursuing us. He wants to spend eternity with you, but he also wants to be a part of your life right now. That's why we do what we do at Connect Church, to reach people who don't yet know Jesus, to connect our community to Christ. 
So maybe you've made that connection, but have yet to be baptized. You're on that fence. Maybe that's the fence you need to step off of. But whatever, if there's something in your life this morning, something in your heart that's kind of tugging like, I've been on that fence too long. Don't let today go by without stepping off of the fence. Maybe it's just a prayer saying, God, I need to get off that fence. But whatever it is, respond to that. We got the sign-ups in the foyer for the baptisms. That sign-up says, I'm interested in being baptized. We'll just tell you about a class we're gonna put on. You can come along for one night. We'll explain more about baptism. If you're interested in that, you can sign up. You're not committed to be baptized. You're just saying, I wanna learn more about what it means to be baptized. But whatever fence you find yourself sat on this morning, my prayer is that if God is tugging at your heart right now, that you'll step down off the fence. Let's pray. Father, like Joshua said when he said, choose this day who you'll serve. Many times we come to that point in our lives where there there may well be some indecision in our lives. Maybe there's an area where we know we've just stayed there too long. We know that we've come up with reasons to justify while we're not moving forward. And this morning, maybe, Lord, you're speaking to us to say it's time to get off the fence. It's time to make a decision. It's time for a call to action. It's time to move from one place to another. Help us to choose this day who we will serve. Choose this day what we will do with this challenge. And whatever it is, whatever it is that you are challenging us with right now, give us the courage and the boldness to step out, to step forward, to step down off of the fence and to make a move for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.